Awesome. Well, good morning. So some of you might be wondering what qualifies me, a soon-to-be-graduating 18-year-old, to speak this morning. I'm wondering that too, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but my dad asked me to speak after my initial idea for a capstone project fell through. One of the requirements for graduation from high school is to complete a project about your identity, community, and life. And my dad thought a sermon on the kingdom would fit. So here I am. <laughs> um, as probably some of you know, about three years ago, I started struggling with anxiety and depression. The more I experienced the world, the more it felt really big and broken. I wondered how I could make any sort of difference at all, especially when it felt like I had so little to give. I struggled with big questions like, who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? And what's the point of this world and my life? You know, those big questions maybe we all are asking. Even if you don't struggle with anxiety and depression, we all find ourselves looking for happiness or identity or purpose. And maybe we look out into the world and feel totally overwhelmed. What will meet these longings? What will give us hope? I found that the thing that brought me hope and purpose was the kingdom of Jesus. There was no need to prove myself or bear the weight of the world on my own. This experience caused me to want to pursue the kingdom and this kind of life more and more. Interestingly, Jesus addresses this in his Sermon on the Mount, this pursuit and the implications of it. In fact, he promises that it is the most fulfilling kind of life. In Matthew 6, verse 33, he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So our big idea this morning is that the kingdom of Jesus is the most compelling and fulfilling and beautiful thing that we as humans could live for. You can write that down if you'd like. The kingdom of Jesus is the most compelling and fulfilling and beautiful thing that we as humans could live for. So what is the kingdom? When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, it's talking about heaven, eternity, the rule and reign of Jesus forever over everything. One of my favorite TV shows is called The Good Place, and uh, I love it because it's exactly what heaven is not. Um, it's about an afterlife system that is exactly what people think the Christian belief is. Uh, people earn points, on earth by being good citizens and people, and they qualify themselves for the good place once they die. But the good place is weird. <laughs> no one is happy, and people try to say curse words, but they get bleeped out, and people get stomach aches, and everyone's kind of a goody-goody. But the weirdest thing is that their only purpose is being happy, which ends up feeling pretty empty. The people of the good place are boring and annoying characters who seem bored and annoyed. And maybe this sounds boring and annoying to you. Maybe when you hear the words heaven or kingdom, you think immediately of goody goodies or a cloudland in the sky or an eternal worship service where the only songs you're allowed to sing involve harps or hymns. So let me just be very clear. This is not the kingdom we're talking about. 
The Christian belief is not that the kingdom of heaven is some idyllic, eternal, empty reward for being a good, honest, stand-up person in your earthly life. The kingdom is not a reward for our lives. It is the purpose of our lives. That thing we were made for, the purpose we lack, the thing we try to substitute with a million other things that we think will make us happy. We were made for relationship with the living God, the one who created us on purpose and with purpose to live and laugh and create and steward the earth and to love and sing and share things. And then we broke it by deciding that our own way was better and that God was probably trying to keep something from us. We figured that we could find our own way to be fulfilled in money and sex and fame and followers and relationships and entertainment and power. You don't need me to tell you that that hasn't worked out super well for us. The news actually does a pretty good job of that. Genocides and shootings and scams and petty judgments and countries invading other countries for dollars or oil or clout. The world we live in is not the garden kingdom it was meant to be. But Jesus changed that. The God of the universe became human and walked and laughed and cried and sang. He talked about a kingdom. He loved people radically and transformationally and healed the hurting and brought freedom for the oppressed. And then he died, the horrific, humiliating death that all humanity deserved for the pain we caused. And when he died, all our shame, all the awful things we've ever done in public or behind closed doors was taken on and erased by the only one who could save us. Redemption was made possible. The kingdom we had lost was made possible again. Or as Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Across the board, humans long for justice. Feminists want equality, gender roles made right. Humanitarian workers desire water and food and basic rights for all people. LGBTQ activists want everyone to be treated as humans, regardless of sexuality or gender expression. Pro-choice people fight to protect a woman's freedom from oppression. Pro-life people fight to protect the unborn. Black Lives Matter protesters fight for a long-oppressed people. But why do we desire justice if it's not something we often see? Why do we have this idea of world peace when history tells us that the world has long been anything but? Why do we want to eradicate poverty or feel these injustices so strongly or long to have some greater purpose or feel truly fulfilled? Isaiah writes that we look for justice but find none, for deliverance but it is far away. C.S. Lewis says that if I find in myself desires for which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. If I find in myself desires for which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. For the kingdom, for the rule and reign of Jesus, a kingdom of justice and of mercy, of singing and lasting fulfillment, of making things and telling jokes and being kind, of deep relationship and greater purpose 
and a world that is finally made whole. Isaiah says, in love, a throne will be established. In faithfulness, a man will sit on it, one from the house of David, one who in judging seeks justice and speeds the cause of righteousness. This is the kingdom we're talking about, that world we long for, that Jesus has promised is coming, and that starts now with us. So what does seek the kingdom mean? There's a story about an earth science teacher who was giving a lesson on map reading. After explaining about latitude and longitude, degrees and minutes, she asked, if I asked you to meet me for lunch at 23 degrees, four minutes north latitude, and 45 degrees, 15 minutes east longitude, where would I be? There was a long, confused silence. Then a voice volunteered, well, I guess you'd be eating alone. <laughs> Confusion is a human trait. We all seem to struggle with it. We're confused about what justice ought to look like, or what fulfillment means, or how maps work, or how the kingdom of Jesus should be lived out. We can find some encouragement, however, in the disciples, because they didn't know either. They were actually pretty divided about that. Keep in mind that Jesus' most loyal followers were some fishermen, a revolutionary zealot, a Roman tax collector, followers of John the Baptist, and a former prostitute. When they were all with Jesus, they were regularly confused. Like when James and John wanted to call down fire on the Samaritan village for being unwelcoming. And Jesus says, guys, no, no, that's not the kingdom or when they try to shoo away the little children from Jesus when he's preaching a sermon, and Jesus says, guys, no, this is the kingdom. Let them come. Some of his followers believed that Jesus would lead a battle to overthrow the Roman Empire and set the Jewish people free from their oppressive government. Still others believed that Jesus would become the new emperor, king of a different Rome, raising Israelites into new standing and status. Being with Jesus meant their ideas and agendas for the kingdom were challenged. Jesus had come not to overthrow the current government, but to overturn sin and death. Not to make the Torah into international law, but to fulfill it. Not to bring freedom to the Jews from Rome, but to bring freedom to all people. To install not an earthly kingdom, but an eternal, greater, lasting one. When the real kingdom comes, our personal ideas of the kingdom get destroyed. We, like the disciples, have personal agendas for what we think the kingdom will be. Perhaps we believe that the kingdom of God on earth looks like a Christian country, or perhaps a dismantled patriarchy. No kids, lots of kids. Fire from heaven on the LGBTQ community. Freedom and support for the LGBTQ community. An all-conservative government. An all-liberal government. Justice for women's reproductive rights. Justice for the lives of the unborn. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not a political viewpoint or the overthrow of systems, oppressive or otherwise. It is a different way of life. 
You guys, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is not a political viewpoint or the overthrow of systems, oppressive or otherwise. It is a different way of life. When we seek first our happiness, our political party in power, our social justice cause, our status, our theological beliefs, or our rights under the guise of the kingdom of God, we lose them and most often miss the kingdom along the way. When we give up our personal agendas and desires to seek first the kingdom, we gain the kingdom. Justice and mercy and relationship and understanding and peace and hope. And with it, everything else. All our true heart longings fulfilled in a truer and better way than could be achieved through some earthly system. And seeking the kingdom doesn't look just one way. How could it? I've heard of people saying that the kingdom will come when every people group has heard the gospel message in their own language. Still others have said that it's 24-hour worship and prayer that will bring the kingdom on earth. But these two things can't both be the thing. They're actually contradictory. You can't be praying and worshiping 24 hours a day and also be speaking to all the tribes and tongues of the world. It doesn't work. But that doesn't mean that one of these things is wrong. We're seeking the kingdom in all sorts of ways, but we're all seeking it first. Fighting for justice and mercy in the everyday, for radical love and transformational healing, for the full, whole, beautiful life that Jesus brings, for everyone, everywhere. Do you want happiness? Seek the kingdom. Do you want peace? Seek the kingdom. Do you want to make a difference in the world? Seek the kingdom. Do you long for safety or beauty or renewal or acceptance or adventure or to know God or to be good enough or to find fulfillment or justice or truth or hope? Seek the kingdom. Or as Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So how do we seek the kingdom? I'm sure there are a lot of ways, but I've thought of three that we can apply to everyday life. Firstly, we share the kingdom. So I go to a public high school and I work at a job in downtown Maple Ridge. And I regularly go for coffee with classmates or am part of discussions in class or get dinner after work with my coworkers. I hear a lot of people's questions and wrestles about God and religion and church and life. What's my purpose? Do all Christians hate gay people? Is God against me because I had sex before marriage? How can we make a difference when the world's so messed up? Why can't all church people seem to get along? Why do you trust in this God over any other? These are weighty questions, worthy of thoughtful response. But I believe that each one leads us back to the kingdom. Do all Christians hate gay people? No. And let me tell you about this God who is for you. How can we make a difference when the world's so messed up? 
let me tell you about a king who has come to renew all things. What's my purpose? Let me tell you about the kingdom. To become people who seek the kingdom in our diverse everyday lives, we must boldly begin telling people about the kingdom. That God is for them, not against them. That they are radically loved by their creator. That there is a place at the table for them. That all their deepest longings can be fulfilled in this beautiful and compelling vision for humanity. And secondly, we live the kingdom. Jane Goodall says, think globally, act locally. I can think of no better quote that expresses how we should live out this immense idea in the everyday. This is how we live the kingdom. Creating things made to last. Practicing kindness for the sake of being kind. Overturning shame through honesty and forgiveness. Making things, bread and poetry and mathematical equations and pottery and tools. Healing the earth through sustainability or intentionality or practicing not buying so many things. Being present, investing in relationship, laying down our rights the way Jesus did, having deep conversations over good meals, walking in nature, singing, laughing pressing closer to Jesus, fighting for justice, not in hypotheticals or Instagram posts, but in the real everyday circumstances of our lives, choosing to hope. These are things all of us can do. The list I made, which isn't exhaustive by the way, is full of things that you or I could do. And Jesus compares the kingdom to little things like a mustard seed or like yeast in dough. He says in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. Or when he says that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it had worked through all the dough. Small, everyday actions are one way we seek first the kingdom. And if we stopped there, we might still feel overwhelmed or inadequate. So thirdly, we seek Jesus. Now, I realize some of you will be very impressed by my ability to work the kingdom into every conversation I've ever had with anyone ever, but actually I don't do that. I have anxiety and find myself to be very awkward and mildly annoying. So number three is for me and for all of us. The hope and purpose I found is in the person of Jesus. I'm not on a spiritual kingdom high all day, every day, but I experience a deep sense of hope that there is a kingdom here and coming and a king whose reign is beautiful. And some days are hard. Some days I can't see the kingdom breaking through. So that's why it's important to seek Jesus every day. Our courage to speak about the kingdom, our ability to live out the kingdom, come from spending time with Jesus, encountering the bread of life, the living water. The kingdom is Jesus. 
We're seeking his way, his rule, his reign. We live out the kingdom and all these things by Jesus, living to love and to follow him. By seeking after Jesus, we seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. And with these things comes everything else. So in conclusion, the kingdom of Jesus is the most compelling and fulfilling and beautiful thing that we as humans could live for. This kingdom we live for is not some expansive cloud bank where all the good upright people sip pina coladas while the curse words get bleeped out. The kingdom is the ultimate rule and reign of Jesus, that life to the full that is here and possible and still waiting to be fulfilled to be something we wholly experience in all its glory and hope. And we have to remember that seeking the kingdom on earth doesn't look like a political ideology or a church denomination or a theological stance. The kingdom here looks a lot more like Jesus, like love in the everyday, both radical and ordinary, like meals with friends and sinners, like standing up for what is right, like following after Jesus with everything we are. And we seek the kingdom by living it. We share the good news that God loves us and wants genuine relationship. We tell of a kingdom of beauty and authenticity and real happiness and everything that was broken being made whole. We live out this kind of life in the everyday by our words and by our actions and by Jesus because it's him our hearts long for. It's his kingdom we respond to, and it's by him that it's made possible. And so we wait and work in hope for Jesus, for justice to be done on this broken earth, for healing to pour out over us, for the kingdom of Jesus to come now and forever. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, we say thank you that your kingdom is beautiful, that it is a kingdom of justice and mercy and love, that it's worth chasing after with our whole lives. We ask that you would enable us to live out your kingdom. Would you seek after us as we seek after you? Would you fill us We say we love you. Amen.